Well, my name is Matthew. I am the youth pastor here. Um, actually, I just noticed these back here. I don't know how I missed them through the first service. Um, they have nothing to do with me, per se. Um, it's not like we did Youth Sunday and they were like, hey, we'll put colorful animals in the background. We have VBS. Not this next week, but the following week. Yeah. Holy moly. So if you... I, there's no way I could stand up here and not do this for Debbie. If you haven't signed up to help, fbcvision.com slash VBS, I will give you permission to get your phone out right now and do it, um, to register. Um, and so she still needs help, all right? And so there's that. But then put your phones away. I'm just kidding. If you use it for a Bible, that's fine. Um, so when I asked Brother Fred... If we could do a Youth Sunday, uh, I believe his exact words were, absolutely we can, and I'm going to take both services off, so you're preaching. And I was like, all right, well, what do we talk about? I've always found that, like, standalone sermons are tough because I have nothing to draw from the previous week, and I have nothing to, like, leave you hanging with to come back next week. And some of y'all are like, that's good that you're only up here one time. Um, but, so I'm racking my brain. And just over the course of the last month or so, just different things that are happening in the life of our church and just kind of where my heart's been, I landed back in my favorite passage of Scripture, which is Philippians 2. So uh, it's all about unity. And selflessness. All right, so let's, let's dive in real quick. I want to start off by reading you a list of names. All right. Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Corey, Sean, and Topanga. Frodo and Sam. Jerry, George, Kramer, and Elaine. Charlie Brown and Linus. Calvin and Hobbes. Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn. The Lone Ranger and Tonto. Thelma and Louise, Marty McFly and Doc Brown, Laverne and Shirley, Lucy and Ethel, Craig and Smokey, Ferris Bueller and Cameron, Laurel and Hardy, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, Harry and Lloyd, Sully and Mike, Woody and Buzz, Pooh and Piglet, Mowgli and Baloo, Holmes and Watson, George and Lenny, Kirk and Spock, Andy Dufresne and Red, C-3PO and R2-D2, Forrest Gump, and Benjamin Buford Blue, Michael Scott, and Dwight Schrute, Wilbur, and Charlotte, Robin Hood, and Little John, Jack Sparrow, and Will Turner, Andy and Barney, SpongeBob and Patrick, Batman and Robin, The Goonies, and of course, everyone's favorite friends, Ross, Rachel, Joey, Monica, Chandler, and Phoebe. And you're going, what in the world? have I gotten myself into this morning? The good news is, Brother Fred will be back next week. But I could probably keep that list going for a while. And what that list represents, at least for me, it's groups of people or duos that represent, at least for us, great friendships or just a unified group of people. And we love those kind of stories. 
The problem is, sometimes, we're not the best at living those types of friendships and that type of unity out in our daily lives. And you ask, well, how do, how do you know that, Matthew? Well, let's go back to 2009, all right? 12 years ago, on Facebook, they decided that they would partner with Burger King. And they, they had this thing for, a, for, well, actually it only lasted for a week, where if you would unfriend 10 people, you got a free Whopper. And it was so successful that in seven days, they, uh, Burger King had given out about 20,000 free Whoppers that they finally had to shut it down. Because people were like, I can unfriend 10 people and get a free Whopper? Sign me up. And people turned on each other just like that. And so, look, we're, we're selfish. We are selfish people by nature. But here's the thing. That's not how Christ has called us to live. And so, do we truly value those real relationships, and the unity that Christ calls us to in Scripture. See, even Paul, 2,000-some-odd years ago, recognized our calling to be unified as believers, and he wrote that into his letters to the different church. And that's where we're going to be this morning. Now, I want you to imagine yourself as a believer here in the first century, You've, some, some have witnessed the death and resurrection of Christ, and Christ has ascended to the right hand of God, and now you spread out. You are thrown into all of the known world, and the world hates everything you stand for. And so every turn, people are hostile towards you. And so there has to be a unity amongst a group of people like that, or else it doesn't survive. So, I know I said Philippians 2, but we're going to start in 1 Corinthians. So if you'll flip to 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13. And my first point is this. We are unified in Christ, not in our circumstances. We are unified in Christ, not in our circumstances. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13 says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is a quarreling among you. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Let's pray for a second. Heavenly Father, again, I just thank you for this day. 
I thank you that we have the opportunity to be here. God, that we get to worship you through song, that we get to worship you through the reading of your word. God, and so now as we dig into this this message, I pray that you would just move me out of the way. God, that it would be you speaking this morning. And I pray that you are glorified by everything that takes place here today. We love you. We praise you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. So we are united, or we are unified in Christ, not in our circumstances. See, Paul, Paul's plea for unity right here within the church begins by addressing them, what, as brothers and sisters, a family. Now, I know some of y'all are out there going, there ain't nothing unified about my family. Well, we're talking about God's family. And the awesome part about God is that he is a father who is ever-present, and he is the head of an ever-unified group of people. And so that's Paul's first plea. He's like, look, family transcends differences. You can have differences of opinion. You can have different likes and dislikes. But if you're family, you have to be unified around one thing. And the problem that the Church of Corinth was having is they kind of had this, like, celebrity Christian crisis where some would follow this one guy or, or another would follow them. And the problem with that was different people following different leaders, you started to have quarrels. That's a fun word to say. You had disagreements amongst the body of believers. And so Paul sits down to address this. He says, look, Paul didn't die for you. Brother Fred didn't die for you. I didn't die for you. Christ died for you. And so that is what we have to be unified around. Not in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. You know, I am a diehard Georgia Bulldog. And when I'm at Sanford Stadium, I am all in 100% unified with all the other 93,000 folks there until Tennessee throws a Hail Mary on the last play and they beat us and then all of a sudden it's a free-for-all and nobody's unified at that point. But it's because our circumstances change. Guess what? God doesn't change. And so if we're putting our our unity, and and if that's what we're putting our unity in, our circumstances, God's circumstances change. Pastors retire. I hope everyone here already knew that. I feel like the new... (laughs) Anyway, but pastors retire. Circumstances change. God doesn't change. And so for us as a church, as we enter into this time where, where we're going to be, just in a couple weeks, voting to approve our search committee for, for our new pastor, guys, the, the wheels could fall off the wagon just like that if we're unified in our circumstances. But if we're unified in Christ, 
that's when we see incredible things happen. So we have to be unified in Christ, in Jesus, in the cross, in the gospel, not in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. My second point is this, and this is where we get to Philippians. So flip with me to Philippians chapter 2. And this is what verses 1 through 4 says. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so Paul is saying here, nothing would make me more joyful than if I could see you as a body of believers unified. And then he said, if you need any more reason to be unified, here they are. And he gives us four reasons. The first is this, encouragement in Christ. See, one of the great parts about being a believer is we all have Christ in our lives. And so the fact that we have a God who loves us enough to not just sit off in the distance and let us tear ourselves apart, he dwells with us. And so we, we have this encouragement in who Christ is and what he's done. And then Paul says, well, if that's not enough to unify you, you also have the consolation of love. I want you to think about the way that God loves us. Think about what has been done on our account. The sacrifice that has been made. And so when I think about that, that should unify us. But Paul says, look, if that's not enough, you got this too. We share in the fellowship with the Spirit. Going back to, to what I was saying about our God who, who doesn't just sit back and leave us. No, he dwells with us. He gives us Holy Spirit as a seal on our salvation. And so as believers, we get to share in the incredible things that Holy Spirit does in and through us as a body of united believers. And then Paul says, well, if that's not enough, I got another one for you. We share in affection and mercy. Guys, I don't know about you, but Christ has shown me in my 31 years an infinite amount of affection and grace and mercy. I know y'all think I'm perfect, but newsflash, I'm not. And my mom is over here, and she's probably going, nope, you're not. But God has shown me an infinite amount 
of grace and mercy. And so as we see the example of that given to us, that's how we should be with each other. I should be able to look at y'all and go, God has given me this grace and mercy. Roy, I'm going to give that to you. And Roy says, hopefully, you know what, Matthew? I'll give it right back. Grace and mercy. Because of the example that we have in Christ. But then Paul drops this bomb on us. And this is one that we don't necessarily like. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. To count others as more significant than yourselves. Ooh. To be able to walk into a room of fellow believers and go, what you want, I value more than what I want. The song that I wanted to sing this morning, I want to sing what song you want to sing. Where you want to sit, that's where you can sit. I'm not taking your pew. Whatever, whatever is going on in your life, that's what we're going to make the priority, not what's going on in my life. I'm going to look at you and count you as more important than me. And this, this particular part of Philippians 2 stands out to me because of an experience that I had as a student. And I can remember it was my junior year of high school. And just within my youth group where I grew up, there were about 15 or 16 different schools represented. And so you can imagine, as some of y'all may have come from different towns than Blairsville, big rivalries, we don't like each other. And the sad part was is some of that would get carried over into youth group. And we were a very divided group. And so there were people that would not talk to each other because they came from the wrong school. And so I can remember one Wednesday night, we were just about to start. And a kid walked in the back of the room. And I can, oh, I can see his face so vividly. And he went to a school that nobody liked. And he just stood there. And no one came up to him. No one said a word to him. And after about five, and that's including myself. And after about five minutes, he walked right back out the door. And I never saw him again. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he made it to another church and was welcomed in there. But almost every day of my life, I see his face in my mind. And I think to myself, what if, what if I'd taken these verses in Philippians 2 seriously? What if I put him above myself. Because effectively what I did was look at that kid and say, you are not worthy of my time or you are not worthy to hear the good news of the gospel. 
Friends, that's not how we are called to be as believers. We don't get to pick and choose who gets to hear the gospel and who doesn't get to hear it. We are called to be unified around one thing, and that is Christ. And if we are unified around that one thing, if that's what unites us, then all these petty differences that we have within the church, they fall by the wayside. And we come in here on a Sunday morning, and it's not about what songs we sing or, or if we get to gossip with our little group. No, it's about coming in here and making sure each of us are okay, that we're lifted up, and then we get to celebrate what God is doing in our lives. That's what it looks like to put others ahead of ourselves and be unified in Christ. It's not about coming here and seeing what we can get out of church. As much as Brother Fred loves to preach, to teach God's word, if you're coming in here just to get filled up, to then do nothing with it, that's not what we're here for. We preach the word so that it goes out into the world in a unified front. We get to go as a unified group of believers with the message of the gospel and say, I just want to tell you that there is a God who loves you, who wants you to be in a relationship with him. That is what we stand around. That's what unites us. And then moving on in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11 say this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There's not really much to say on that one. We as believers have the perfect example of what it means to be selfless, of what it means to put others ahead of ourselves. When we look at Christ on the cross, that is the defining selfless act of all time. And as he was on the cross, his thoughts were not on him or his preferences or whether he was getting what he wanted. No, it was all about you. It was all about me. It was all about bringing glory to his Father in heaven. That's how we are called to be towards each other. That is the level of selflessness that we are to display as believers to each other. And so if that's the level of selflessness that we display... There shouldn't be any disagreements among us. If we are truly living 
our lives the way Christ has commanded us to live, there wouldn't be fights in the church. There wouldn't be church splits. There wouldn't be 80-something churches in this county. There'd be one united front for the gospel. So what does the actions that we show and the words that we say, what, what does the world see at First Baptist? By the words we say, by the things we do, are we being selfless the way that Christ has showed us to be? To show humility like Christ did. Is that where we're at as individuals and as a church? And then point number four is this. This is Philippians 2, 14 through 18. It says this. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So my fourth point is simply this, to be shiny. This is one of my points, actually, I took from the youth Wednesday night when I taught this passage in Philippians. Be shiny. I think we can remember that one. Because when we are unified around Christ, and we are acting in the selflessness and humility that Christ has displayed, Scripture tells us that we will shine like stars to the world. And the world will know Christ. And then I'm going to reread for you guys John 17. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Now, I'm not going to go as far as saying that God's reputation fully depends on us because it doesn't. God will be glorified whether we choose to live the way we're supposed to or not. But this is how the world sees who God is. 
that we as believers are unified around Christ and the cross. Not around a service time, not around music, not around decorations. No, we are united around Christ and the gospel. And when the world sees that, they get a small little glimpse of who God is. And so that's the power that your words and your actions have. As you leave here today, just like I tell our students, your your words and your actions can do one of two things. They can either point people to Jesus, or they can point people away from Jesus. That's it. But as a unified body of believers, the things that we do as a church, the message that we put out, the world sees that. And that's where they get their idea of who God is. So what does the world see when they look at us? What does the world see when they look at First Baptist in Blairsville, Georgia? What does the world see when they look at you? at me what do your co-workers see every single day what does your, your spouse see every single day do they see someone who is sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ because guess what as believers there's no options it's you follow with every thing you have got. The disciples, they left everything and followed Christ. And that's that command for us. And if we're doing that, if each of us individually are, are following Christ the way that we're supposed to, then we will be unified as a church. So it starts with us as individuals. It starts with us that have a relationship with Christ. And my challenge to you, if you're sitting in this room right now and you have a relationship with Christ, if you can truly say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, guys, let's get on the ball. Let's act like it. Because there's enough junk in the world. There's enough of tearing each other down and Let's be all about Jesus. And then if you're in this room today and maybe you have no idea what I mean when I say having a relationship with Jesus. How, how can I have a relationship with, with Jesus? I'm glad you asked. Romans 9 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name 
of the Lord will be saved. That's how you start a relationship with Christ. Recognizing your need for a Savior. Recognizing that you can't do it on your own. I couldn't do it on my own. I needed Jesus. And in my time of desperation, when I called out, Christ answered. Christ will always answer. So maybe that's where you are this morning. Looking for a place to be a part of. Looking to be a part of something that's so much more than just a place to come. No, this is, this is family here. And so I want to open up these, these steps to you as an altar. Maybe you just need to come and pray. Maybe today's the day you join the church. I would, I would love to have you join our family here at First Baptist because that's what we are. We're a family. We don't always get it right. We're not perfect by any means. Guess what? No church is. And if they tell you they are, they're lying. We're just a bunch of broken people restored by a Savior now trying to glorify Him with everything that we do. Come be a part of that. Or maybe you need to take one of our ministers aside and you need to talk to them about what it means to follow Christ. You can do any of that right now. So I invite you now just to remember we are unified around Jesus. Guys, it's all about Him. Let's keep it that way. So you can stand, you can sit, whatever you need to do. Band's going to play. Do what you need to do with God right now.